0: Up your Bibles to Luke, the 12th chapter. We'll begin our study there this morning. It's always a joy and privilege to stand before a group of saints and proclaim the Word of God. Uh, it is a great honor, but also a great responsibility. Um, one that I take very seriously, and I hope that we can see about responsibilities that each and every one of us have this morning. Luke, the 12th chapter, or the context for this, if you're, you're skimming through your Bibles, really begins in verse 22. But for our sakes, we'll look in verse 37, beginning. Jesus is, is speaking to the people, and Peter asks him a question in verse 41. He says, Lord, do you speak this parable to all of us, or just um, we as your disciples? Look in verse 37. Jesus says, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said to him, Lord, you speak this parable only to us, or to all the people. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has." But if that servant says in his heart, my master's delaying is coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and an hour when he is not aware. And he will cut him into two, and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will, and did not prepare himself, or do according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed things to serving a strife shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. Now you might be thinking to yourself, Jonathan, you're going to explain the, uh, the part of being beaten by a few, being beaten a little. No, we're not talking about that this morning. The application that I do want to make, though, is applicable to all of us. Peter asks a question that the Lord does not answer directly. He answers it with this parable. I want to make application of this parable to us today. What I think Jesus is saying here generally is that he's telling that those who have heard his teachings are like the servant who has heard his master's instructions. Those that have heard the master's teachings, the servants who have heard the master's instructions, have an obligation, a responsibility, to do what the master has asked. I think that's the the crux of what Jesus is saying. That person has an obligation to carry out. Those responsibilities. So by way of application to us, 2,000 years removed from Jesus, we are going to affirm this morning that membership in a universal church and membership in a local church have responsibilities because we have been told. We're affirming that local membership makes us beneficiaries, makes us Uh, recipients of great blessings. I hope we'll see that this morning. And thus, it also makes us liable for the responsibilities. So this morning, we're going to look at the blessings of local membership and the responsibilities of local membership. First things first, we need to kind of delineate those two. I mentioned universal church and local church, so let's talk about those very quickly. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus is talking and he's talking about the universal church. Jesus says, And I say to you, talking to Peter, that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church, the church universal, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Peter had given a uh, recognition that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, and, and Jesus says that. Your name is Peter, and there's a little bit of wordplay there. He says, your name is Peter, and on this statement that you've made, I'm going to build my universal church. I'm going to build my universal uh, people. Because he's doing away with the old people, as we looked at this morning. Doing away with the Jews and bringing in a new group of people founded on this belief. So the universal church is, is concerned with a couple of things. Universal church is concerned with fellowship with God. Universal church is entered into when it's forgiven. And the universal church is also composed of individuals. Let's look at all of those very briefly. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 4. I invite you to turn with me. I'm going to have lots of passages. Not all of them we'll turn to, some I will just read. But let's turn to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 1 through 4. looking at the fellowship that we have with God in a church universal. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness, and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. John writing this as someone who was there, when Jesus says, on this day, I will, on this uh, rock, I will found my church, John says, and through our fellowship, this church is found. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus the Christ. Bible students will be familiar of Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, and, and including verse 47. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you read all the way down to verse 47, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Church universal. Lord added to the church universal those who were being saved. And Paul in 1 Corinthians tells us that the universal church is also made up of individuals. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll read verse 13 and 14. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. We enter into the body of Christ when we are baptized. We are entered into the body of Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And having been made to drink into one spirit, for in fact the body is not one member, but many. The church universal is composed of individuals. We enter the Church Universal when we are forgiven of our sins, and the Church Universal is concerned with fellowship—a relationship with God. Now, the local church—we talked about the universal church. The local church we see many times in Acts. We'll—if we'll, you, if you want to put a marker in Acts—we'll go to Acts a, a decent bit this morning. But First Timothy, um, excuse me, First Corinthians one and verse two. We'll flip back a little bit. We'll look at the church local. Paul oftentimes addresses who he is writing to. He does this in the first epistle to the Corinthians. He says that Paul is is the one who wrote it. Verse 2 says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, a specific church, not writing to everyone, not writing to the universal church, but writing to a specific church, the one that's at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and and ours. He does the same thing in Thessalonians. Same thing in Thessalonians. He says, Paul, Silvanus, Timothy, to the church of Thessalonica, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the local church concerned with, involved with? Uh, if the universal church is involved and concerned with relationship with God, the local church, as a part of that, is also concerned with that. But... The local church is concerned with relationship of Christians. Relationship of individuals. Philippians chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 says this. That's the one I didn't put on my, on my verse sheet. Let's turn there. Philippians chapter 1 verse 1 through 5. Paul and Timothy bond of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops. And deacons, and if you skim down to verse 5, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. They had a fellowship with the gospel of Christ, with God as a member of a universal church. But they also had a fellowship with each other as members of a local church. I think it's very, very easy, very plain to see that the Lord wants his followers to be a part of the local church. Um, I mentioned this Wednesday night, and I thought it might be good to, to look into this just a little bit this morning. The Lord wants his followers to be members of local units of fellowship. Um, we're going to call that the local church. So God definitely wants people to be a member of the universal church. He has a, a will that all will be saved. Um, but for those that are saved, he wants them to have fellowship with each other. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, Saul was consenting to his death, talking about Philip, uh, excuse was Stephen. And at the time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So here we have them being scattered, and there are local churches being established. Now remember, if you're thinking through Acts, from this point in time, Saul goes on and he is converted, his name is changed to Paul, and look what happens. He is converted, he enters into the church universal, and look what he tries to do. Acts chapter 9, and verse 26, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem... He tried to join the disciples. Now, he, we can't be saying that he's trying to join the universal church. He's already done that. And remember, in Acts chapter 8, we read that there are churches everywhere now. So he is going specifically to a local place, trying to join that local group. But no, they were afraid of him. And they did not believe that he was a disciple. Now, that stop, Saul. Paul from joining a local group? Absolutely not. He got letters of recommendation from others who knew his conversion and they told him that, told the disciples, the Christians, yes, you can be a part. We see that elders are um, only over local churches. Elders are not over um, the universal church. We see that in Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 20. Paul goes and will later meet with Ephesian elders. Those are only the elders over the local church in Ephesus. That's not the elders at Jerusalem. That's not the elders at Corinth. That's not the elders in certain place. Those are only elders at the local church. And using verse 27 and 28 of Acts chapter 9, I think we can see that we should be a part of a local church. We we talked on Wednesday night about joining our link to the chain. And that a a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. We we talked about that a little bit uh, on Wednesday night. We see here... Paul is trying to join his link to the chain. What I want to continue to look at is that blessings are derived from membership in a universal church and the local church. The universal church, the the, the blessings are are very easy to establish and very easy to see. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us. Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 3 tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's the blessings of a church universal. Hebrews chapter 12 says, To the general assembly, that's all, and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. The church universal has all of the same blessings, because they've entered into a relationship with God. But for this study, I want to primarily focus on the blessings and the responsibilities that we receive from a local church. So we'll look at some blessings we receive from a local church. And remember, our application in Luke is that because we have blessings, because our master has given us stewardship, because we have blessings, we have responsibilities that we have to follow. The first blessing we see of local membership is that we are part of a spiritual family. And that is absolutely a blessing. We are part of a spiritual family. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 says, But if I am delayed, I write so that you know how you may conduct yourself, how you ought to conduct yourself, in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, uh, the pillar and ground of truth. Being a part of a spiritual family affords us relationships one to another. Brother-sister relationships, um, father-son relationships, mother-daughter relationships, ones that we might not have had. In our physical things, we now are afforded in our spiritual things. Another blessing of local membership is that we are able to worship with others. We're not called to worship alone. We're not called to worship alone. We're called to worship with others. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Let's, let's turn there very briefly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 reads, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's a blessing, brother. That's a blessing to be able to join together with people who think similarly as you do and worship God in the same way. We're not called to go and worship outside by ourselves. We're not called to go and worship in any other manner besides what is written in the scriptures. That is a blessing. Part of those acts of worship, we have the Lord's Supper that we've partaken in this morning. We have the teaching and admonishing one another through songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. And we have being edified. Notice what it says here, we're still in Hebrews chapter 10, exhorting one another, edifying one another, um, being an encouragement to one another cannot take place unless we have the blessing of worshiping together. I notice I keep saying the blessing of worshiping together. We can say that all day long. We need to, to have an understanding that coming to this place should not be a burden. If we view it as a burden, we're going to have a hard time holding it to the responsibilities. This is a blessing, coming together and worship. We have the blessing of being loved. Um, we have a relationship with God the Father. God the Father absolutely loves us. But we have the blessing of love between one another, between each and every one of us. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 2. I invite you to turn there with me. Looking at the love that should exist between one another as brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as I have not seen my face in the flesh, their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. And attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Their hearts may be encouraged. They're only encouraged if they're gathering together and being with one another. Their hearts being encouraged, being knit together in love. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit of sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with pure heart. Another blessing, we've looked at the blessing of local membership. Blessings being uh, the ability we're afforded to worship together. The love that we have for one another as part of a spiritual family. And part of that love is knowing that there are people who want to help them know that people want to help me when I falter. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Brother, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, which should be the church, you are spiritual, the local fellowship, the local unit of fellowship, restore such a one. In a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Because we have this blessing, we must take care of the responsibilities that we have as well so people want to help me when I falter people want to help me if I err if I go astray James chapter 5 tells us this if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins people want to help me if I uh, err if I falter but this one, if I get hungry People want to help me. I know that I can go to anyone here and ask for a meal and I can get a meal. And very simple things, we might take that very lightly. But that's a big thing. That anytime I need anything at all, I have the blessing of membership in a local church, membership in a local group of Christians that want to help me. 1 John chapter 3 says, this, Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Our little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed or truth. That's similar to what Jesus was saying in the book of Luke that we read earlier this morning. Jesus in the book of Luke said if a master tells you to do something, if a master gives you a blessing, you have a responsibility to do that. John is telling us here that if you have world's goods, he doesn't say that's wrong. If you have world's goods, but you shut them up when your brother has a need, that's not the right thing to do. Instead, he says, if you have the world's goods, you are being benevolent. You're being generous to your brother. Spreading the word is most certainly a blessing as a Christian. As a Christian, I should teach others. As a Christian, fruits, we'll talk a little bit about fruits this morning. Fruits should abound to my account through my telling of other people, my giving, should abound fruit. Uh, First, let's look. Paul in Philippians, excuse me, Paul in Philippians tells him this, he says, for even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. That's physical aid like we just talked about. That's physical goods. Whether it's money, clothes, time, whatever it was, they sent that with Paul. Not that I seek the gift, but he seeks the fruit that abounds to their account. We have a blessing that we're able to spread the word. We have a blessing that we're able to teach others. We can do that through uh, giving of our time, of our means, of our abilities. And that's a blessing. And another blessing of local church membership is that of genuine friendship. Look at what genuine friendship looks like in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 15 shows us what genuine friendship is. Some of us may be familiar with the context of this. It's a very good one to have uh, memorized. talks about rejoicing and weeping. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Bless, do not curse. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. We have genuine friendship through the blessings of a local church. Through membership in a local church, we have Genuine friendship that rejoices when we rejoice and weeps when we weep, when we weep. Now, all of those things are wonderful. Notice I've said blessings probably 50 times now. All of those things are wonderful. But because we receive those blessings, we have to do something. That's what Luke tells us. Because the master told his servants something, because he gave them stewardship of something, that's a blessing to them. It was expected, they had an obligation to now do something. So what are our responsibilities of a local member? We've noted the blessings, and the blessings go hand in hand with the responsibilities. Let's talk briefly about responsibilities for a second. Many in the world uh, today are actively trying to deny responsibility for any number of things. Um, if we think theologically, Calvinism proclaims original sin, predestination, foreordination, they deny responsibility for anything that they will do, those that would believe Calvinism. Atheism denies responsibility of mankind. Uh, it, it denies re- responsibility of human accountability, really is what it is, because we are nothing more, let them tell it, than an evolved from Nothing. Humanism denies the existence of any moral standard, and government makes it possible to have a system where people blame the system rather than take on responsibility for themselves. People today are trying to deny responsibilities. Christians should not do that. Christians should not look for an out to get out of responsibilities that we have. We take care of our responsibilities because we were afforded all of these blessings. Accountability is the same as responsibility. Romans chapter 14 and verse 12 tells us this this idea. So then each of us shall give an account to himself towards God. Each of us shall give an account for himself towards God. That means that whatever we do, we have a responsibility for it. We can't blame it on our mom, our dad, our brothers, sisters, our work, our travels, none of our responsibilities that we're about to talk about can we get to God and say, sorry, I didn't do any of that because of these systems that I put in front of you. So let's talk about specific responsibilities that we have. Worshiping God is a responsibility that we have as local members of a church. Worshiping God, we worship in spirit and in truth. Worshiping God, we worship... um, With gladness, reverence, humility. We worship with submission. I want to look at each of these kind of ideas for a second. Worship with gladness. Worshiping with gladness, uh, David tells in Psalm 122, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So when we come together to worship, we have a responsibility, because of the blessings that we've been afforded, to come here with gladness. To come here with a, a fervor, a zeal to worship God. We have a responsibility to worship God with reverence. Habakkuk chapter 2 says, But the Lord is in his holy temple, but all the earth keeps silence. But, uh, we come to God, not flippantly, not because this is where our friends are. We come to God to worship God with a reverence, a deep respect, a deep gratitude for the blessings that he, he's given to us. We come to God and worship him with humility. Think about uh, in the book, the book of Luke again, uh, chapter eighteen. The tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, "God, be merciful to me, a sinner." We looked at a lot this morning about how the religious elite of the Jewish uh, of the Jewish system um, would have done the opposite of that. They would have stood on the corners and loudly proclaimed that they were praising God, that they were worshiping God. But Jesus in this parable says, "Look." This is how you should be praising God, how you should be praying to God, with humility. And with submission we worship God. Matthew chapter 26 says, He went a little further, fell on his face and prayed, Oh my Father, if it's not possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus there, being a model disciple of God, being the model son, the beloved son, is about to do something so incredible. And yet he says, if there's a way to make it not happen, I would love that. But it's not what I want, it's what you want. Jesus worshiped God with submission, humility, reverence, and gladness. Because we've been afforded blessings, we have to submit with our responsibilities. Our responsibilities are to worship God. And we cannot worship God if we're not attending the services, the gatherings of a local church. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 tells us this. We've read this already. He says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. If we are not attending the gatherings of the local church, we're not fulfilling our responsibilities of membership within that local church. Remember, we're not doing this because we're checking boxes off. We're doing this because God has given us so much, and if He has blessed us with this much. How little is it to do these responsibilities, to worship Him, to gather together when the saints gather together? We should maintain proper relationships one with another. Um, If we are going to exhort one another when we are here, and if we are going to worship God in the same mind, we have to have relationships one to another. Remember, that's what a local group of Christians is about. Having that relationship. We have a relationship with God through the church universal, but we have a relationship one to another through fellowship together in a local church. So we have to maintain those proper relationships. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Paul is telling the Thessalonian brethren, this is how you should act. You should comfort those, uphold those, help those who are weak, and have relationships one with another we give of our means we read that in first Corinthians chapter 16 as we've done this morning we give of our means and through those means the word can go abroad through our means the, the Thessalonians gave to Paul um, it was a credit to them for righteousness that fruit could abound on their account. Another responsibility that we have, besides worshiping God and the four ways we talked about, besides attending the gatherings of the local church, besides maintaining relationships, besides giving of our means, we need to support scriptural discipline. It's part of our duty as members of a local congregation, is to support scriptural discipline. And I put scriptural in there, because that's important. We're not supporting unscriptural discipline. Where everything we do is based on the Word of God. Turn with me. I, I want everyone to turn here with, with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Look what happens in the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's our authority. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When you are gathered together along with my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. He's talking about someone who was caught in sexual immorality. And he's saying how to deal with that as a local church. The universal church has already dealt with that. God deals with that. But there's something that needs to be done within the local group. And so Paul is telling them how to do this. He says, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And it's my understanding that Corinth did that. Now, flip over... To 2 Corinthians chapter 2. This is still a part of scriptural discipline. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6. But if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be too severe this punishment which was afflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. So that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Because, as I understand, this man had come back. He had repented of what he had done. And they were still trying to bind this discipline on him. That's unscriptural. Jesus, or excuse me, Paul tells them, you accept him back. So part of our job as local members of this uh church at Walnut Street, part of our responsibility, because of the blessings that we have, is to support scriptural discipline. We're to pray for the saints. James chapter 5 and verse 16 tells us that, confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And we are to personally seek the lost. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 tells us that. Mark 16 and verse 15, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, some of these things, excuse me, all of these things are things that every Christian needs to be doing. Responsibilities that every Christian should have. Why? They're a part of the universal church, and also they're a part of the local church. The responsibilities that we have are, we do because of the blessings that we've been afforded. Responsibilities as a member of a local church are many and varied. And I've only skimmed the surface of what some of those responsibilities are. But I want us to take away from this, if you take nothing else away, take away that we do these things not because we check boxes. We do these things because we are blessed. We do these things because of the blessings that are afforded to us through the universal church And also the local church. That we have a family. That we have genuine friendship. That we know that we can count on one another and call on one another if we need anything at all. We take them seriously as obligations. We take them seriously because, turn me back to Luke. Luke chapter 12 verse 47. That servant who knew his master's will. That's us. We know the master's will. We've looked at it this morning. The servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with a few. Notice, both are beaten. Both have stripes. For everyone to whom much is given, that's us, everyone to whom much is given from much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Our blessings, both as members of the universal and the local church, are so many and so great. That there should not be anyone that we talk to that should not be willing to enter into that relationship. That should not be willing to enter into the responsibilities via the blessings. And I think too often... We don't talk to people because we say, well, they're not going to want to do all of these things. They're not going to want to show up to church. They're not going to want to have a friendship, have a relationship. They're not going to want to give. They're not going to want to do all of these responsibilities. And I would say that's because we're looking at our responsibilities as negatively. If you look at them as positively that we get to do these things because we have these blessings and because we worship a God that we do, I think we might save some more people. So let that be our, our, our lesson, our sermon this morning. Uh, as we leave this place, let's think about the responsibilities that we have, view them as obligations, and certainly do these things, but realize they're because we have blessings. If there's someone here this morning who has not entered into the universal church, and I'll tell you, you don't have the blessings. You don't have the blessings that we are afforded as members of the universal church, that you can enter into the body of Christ. Have that salvation. Have that hope of eternal life via faith in in, in God and his his promises. If you haven't done that, I bid you to do that while we're going to stand and sing in just a moment. Um, We are afforded that through baptism, uh, through believing, confessing. We have heard the word. We're being baptized. And then we rise anew and we are walking in that universal church and we can add ourselves to the local church. If you haven't added yourself to a local church, I bid you to do that. That's a responsibility that we have in the universal church. I bid you to bind yourself to the chain of a local church. If you need to know how to do that, ask any one of the the men or any of the members here. We would love to have you as part of our church, as part of our local church, and we'll do these responsibilities together because of the camaraderie that we have. If you've fallen away and you have uh, unlinked your chain in any kind of a way, um, we'll, we'll stand and sing in just a moment. And, and I would bid you to, to, to come and, and to let us know how we can help you to relink your chain. To, to bring yourself to Christ. Right? If there's any way that we can help anyone here this morning, I would bid you come while we stand and while we sing this like...